Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. This is the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, and I'm your host, Tuguchai. What does it take to create a large following on social media in the field of travel photography? And how does one turn a large following into a profitable business? I asked these questions to Lauren Bath, Australia's first professional Instagrammer. Lauren started as a chef, but turned a photographer in early 2013 thanks to her success on Instagram. She was uh, able in the space of a few years to build a career and to become one of the most sought-after influencers in the travel and tourism industry. So if you want to learn what it takes to become a successful influencer, then you've come to the right place. Of course, we didn't just talk about business and marketing with Lauren. We also talked about her passion for travel and the locations that inspire her most and our style of photography, and a number of other topics. Well, let's uh, just jump right into my interview with Lauren Beth. Remember, you can find all the show notes for this episode at ttim.photo slash 22. Thanks for listening. So welcome, Lauren Beth, from uh, Melbourne, Australia. Is that right? Is that where you are uh, now? <laughs> Gold Coast, Australia. Gold Coast. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So can you tell us a bit about you, about your story as a, as a photographer and how you came to be the first professional Instagrammer in Australia? Sure thing. Um, so I actually used to be a chef and I was a photographer just as a hobby. Um, I used to use Instagram. I uh, started in August 2011. I uh, got into photography through that, got my first camera like everybody, started that trajectory path towards you know learning and sharing and and just really enjoying the journey of photography and um I was you know I was very lucky to be on Instagram early and at a time where there was a lot of interest um in photography and I grew quite a large following and about three just over three years ago now I decided to quit my job in the kitchen to see if I could either further my photography or somehow monetize my Instagram reach, uh, which at the time was about 200,000 followers. Um, and I did manage to effectively do that. Uh, within about six months, I was uh, working full time. Um, so the opportunities had picked up enough to the level that I could support myself and I could call it a career and I was making a living off it. Um, and since then, uh, it's gone gangbusters. <laughs> um, I've decided to I guess make tourism my niche, uh, so tourism in Australia but internationally as well. So I work with tourism boards, um, destinations, occasionally travel brands and I create content or photographs um, in those destinations and share those online on social media. Um, so that's sort of the basic thing that I do, my job. Um, but I also have a social media company and I contract a lot of other photographers and influencers. Um, I do consultancy and education, public speaking. Um, I'm always trying to look at ways to further the industry, industry knowledge of, of what I do and people like me um, to create opportunities down the track. Um, so always lots of things on the go, always really busy. Um, things are 
a little different now to when they started, but uh, you know, I, I see things picking up every year, and um, and it's a really good indication of of the longevity of this industry and this job. Yeah, you're painting a picture of um, somebody who is a bit more than just an Instagrammer, which might sound a bit reductive. I mean, you have your media company, as you say, you do education, you do, uh, and you have uh, photographers on your staff and so on. I mean, it may, it's a bit different than, than saying I'm just an Instagrammer. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the good thing about it is it's all been quite organic. You know, mm. I started by offering the Instagram, you know, services, I guess you'd call them. Um, and then a client said, oh, we'd love to have more people out. Can you recommend mm-hmm. some people? And then somebody said, can you plan this? And then, you know, everything's sort of built on over time at levels that I can deal with. Um, to up until this point and now I'm doing you know much bigger campaigns and I'm much more confident and I've got lots of experience and you know I'm able to take a few more risks with business now because I have the capital so I'm doing a conference this year and you know it's 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 been a a really great journey and a great you know huge learning and I've always loved that quote by um, I think it's Richard Branson if you don't know how to do something say that you do and then learn later Mm -hmm. and that's basically what I've done can you give a keynote presentation sure like (laughs) what the shit how am I going to do this but um but you know is is, is that the same for photography I mean you you were self-taught but at the beginning you were uh, like a beginner like everyone else and uh, absolutely um yeah, I mean, I guess it's about taking risks, but more than anything, I find that photography is about practice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if is. if you're really interested in something and if you're enjoying learning, then you'll want to be out there with your camera in your hands. And that's all I did. I just was out with my camera in my hands all the time and I was learning and I, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So if I wasn't nailing the technique that I was trying to nail, I'd be googling it and asking questions and you know posting it online and asking for feedback and all of those things really helped me to progress my photography quite quickly as a self-taught photographer myself i completely agree with, uh, with yes <laughs> so when you started you you start you were one of you were one of the first on on instagram at least in australia and you grew a quite a following organically like 200,000 people you said now I was looking at your profile it says you are at 454,000 followers <laughs> um, yes. uh, um, I mean when did you realize that that for kind of following could actually uh, create a career for you um, it's actually pretty funny this story <laughs> I I never really thought in the early days that it could be a career, but there was a point in time on Instagram, it was actually in around 2012, sort of towards the end of 2012, that there was this really bizarre Instagram war going on Mm -hmm. where a bunch of popular users had started reporting other popular users that they didn't like, reporting their images, um, Mm -hmm. which would kick them off the popular page, which is now the explore page. And it turned into a bit of a free-for-all and it kind of caught up lots of people who trended on the popular page got caught in the crossfire and I was one of them. So effectively what had happened was a whole bunch of Instagrammers were just reporting everything. Um, My pictures stopped getting on the popular page. And it was at that time that I realized I actually really did care about my Instagram. Um, You know, my growth had stopped and things were kind of standing still and, and I had a bit of a well, I mean, not a meltdown, but I had a real moment where I said to my partner, 
I just, I'm so upset about this and I can't put it into words why I'm so upset, but I feel like Instagram is going to mean something more to me down the track. And this was still when I had a, you know, not a small account, but I had no idea what was coming up on the horizon. I just knew that this was affecting me and I'd slowed down and I knew that there was more to it than this. So that was, I guess, the first point in time that I realized Instagram would be a huge part of my life. Um, And it was about six months after that, that I quit my job. And literally within, like I said, a couple of months of quitting my job, there was enough work there to sustain me. And I was the first person working in tourism full time in Australia. Um, The media picked up on that and and did label me Australia's first professional Instagrammer. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, without really offering many other services at that point, I was making a full-time living off posting to Instagram and, and doing that destination marketing work. Um, so, you know, it, it, it did end up coming full circle and, and becoming such a huge part of my life and continues to do so. And, yeah, from that from that early moment of just that revelation moment, like this is going to do more for me um, to now, it's, yeah, it's, it's huge, everything that's happened to me. Were those first clients coming to you uh unexpected like they found you or your profile on instagram and they thought well this is just the the kind of photographer that does the work that we need or did you put yourself out and try to to contact people to to get jobs well the very first opportunities that came my way were of course unexpected um, and they were australian tourism Uh, one was in hamilton island and one was in canberra um, our capital territory Mm And they were unpaid, of course. You know, I was invited to come and attend some events. And, you know, it was it was kind of formulative times for me because it was giving me an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, after Hamilton Island, I went back to work. I was still chefing. I went back to work and I was just so depressed. I'd been I'd only been gone for two nights, but I just thought, you know, I want more of that. I want more of that excitement and travel and, and to be able to share these experiences. And, you know, and instead I'm at work cooking on a busy weekend mm-hmm. service. So I hadn't been paid. That was, you know, that was a key point. And yet I still decided to quit my job. And I still decided that, you know, I wanted to do more of that sort of work. <laughs> um, so when the next opportunity came or opportunities after I'd quit my job, and they did, I had, you know, quite a few, maybe half a dozen tourism travel related opportunities come my way within that first few weeks. Um, and my, you know, my real sticking point was now you have to pay me. And that was the scary part. You know, I'd gone from having a couple of free opportunities to having no job, <laughs> getting more opportunities that I desperately wanted. And I knew I needed them too. You know, I needed the experience and the exposure, but having to really say to these people, I don't know how or why, or, you know, how this is going to work, but this is my job now, so you have to pay me for it. <laughs> and with no idea of really what I was selling and how I could justify that and you know, no idea of the politics of tourism and how difficult it is to access that budget and how new this was that I was doing. And yet they humored me and they, you know, they came to the table with a small fee at the start and that was, that was my starting point. <laughs> Great story. What do you think are the qualities that um, an image needs to to have on Instagram to be to be seen, to be to be liked, and uh, ultimately to to find uh, people wanting to pay for it, or maybe more than a single image is 
what do you think oh, is the, the portfolio, the, the kind of work that somebody has to do in order to be to make it on, on Instagram? Um, I think that any style of photography can make it on Instagram. It's just a matter of finding an audience for that style. And I often see um, niche photography doing very well. So, you know, people that kind of stick to one thing, like somebody that has a cute dog and they dress it up in different outfits every day or, you know, menswear dog or food accounts or, you know, if I posted shots like that on my account, it wouldn't do so well. But on other people's accounts, that's their niche and it does exceptionally well. So for me, it was always about relying on the feedback of my audience um, and that's not everything. There's still images that I post that I I know won't get a great reception. But, you know, it's funny because I was learning photography as I was learning social media. So I don't know any other way of sharing my images rather than sharing something I'd taken and having either great feedback or average feedback. And all of that great feedback fed into my entire photography journey. You know, I'd shoot a sunset and it would go really well and get excellent likes and then I'd shoot a portrait and it would do not so well so it, it did kind of shape me in a way and you know like I said there is still images that I love that I'll post regardless of how I think they'll perform but there's also a lot of images that I love to shoot that I love because they get that great reaction on social media so look it's different for every person mm-hmm. but the great thing about Instagram is that you get that instant feedback if it's an exceptional image it will get exceptionally high likes yeah. <laughs> and you can you can use that for your you know for your continued growth as a photographer and you don't just take um, iPhone snapshots and use filters to before posting them you actually take most of your photos from what i i know with a quote-unquote proper camera dslr and (laughs) process them on the laptop or on your computer and then you you post uh what is more of a finished polished refined work if i may say so right um i mean yes you could say that but i also i i love the instant part of instagram Mm -hmm. and i can't lie and say that my images are completely instant but if I'm on a job, and I'm, I'm on a lot of jobs, <laughs> um, I travel full time. So if I'm in Western Australia, I'll be posting Western Australia photos. And often there'll be shots that I took the day before, not necessarily that day. But I'm always telling the story. So I might post a shot from sunrise at the beach yesterday morning. And I'll say, you know, this was yesterday morning on Cottesloe Beach. And right now I'm here at the event at Sculpture by the Sea. And I'm doing lots of shots that I can't wait to show you later. So it's always talking about and showing and sharing and showcasing the job that I'm on with a possible delay of one to two Mm. days. Um, But, yeah, I I edit every day, but I don't edit much. Um, I tend to have at least one session on my laptop um, where I'll try and get through between six to 12 images. I edit really quickly. I have to. Um, So there's no HDR, you know, there's no Mm -hmm. multiple exposure stacking. It's not that I don't love the effect. I just don't have the time for it. So I... You know, I just spend a few minutes on each picture, I guess. Um, I edit everything out so that I have it as a high-resolution image, as a square for Instagram. Um, I resize for Facebook. And sometimes I'll even crop into a portrait orientation for Stella, which is another social media app I use. Um, And then it all just syncs through to Dropbox and it's on my phone when I need it. Um, So, yeah, it it is more polished, but I'm definitely not as polished as a commercial photographer. (laughs) Um, It is still a very quick editing process and I do try and get everything right in camera to enable me to work that quickly speaking of cropping and formats are you 
sticking to the traditional square format on Instagram or did you adopt no, I'm new... sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm sticking to it. Um, I, I was so upset when they made that change. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's great, obviously, for so many photographers, um, that love portrait and landscape orientation. And I love how the portrait orientation looks when you're scrolling through it. And I know that it's proven to get extra engagement, but the thing that drew me into photography was Instagram. I don't know what it is about the square, but it just, it makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And it's, I love to see my images in squares And I'm actually sitting at my desk right now and I'm looking at my photo wall, um, which I've been working on recently, and 90% of pictures up there are squares. You know, it's just, it's how I love my photos to be. It's so symmetrical and, oh, my OCD brain just loves it. (laughs) So, yeah, for that reason, I'm sticking to the square and that's just a personal preference. I'm, I'm the occasional Instagram user too. I mean, I don't have nearly as many followers as you do and I do post uh quite maybe once a week but um my workflow is uh, a bit like yours i mean i shoot with a typically my instagram photos are taken with a dslr or a mirrorless camera in my case and i mm-hmm. move them to the to the laptop or to the desktop and then i've got this mindset of the the square image so i look at my images which one which ones do look good when they are cropped square and then i select them put them in a collection that it gets synced to my mobile and i post yep. to into to instagram from that so i'm basically sticking to the square format myself as well uh, square's the best yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now um another question is uh I, so you you started out with uh with instagram and you reached uh, quite a large following before going commercial so to say so people were liking your style or liking your work, but now you have customers, you have clients who might have uh, needs, they might have requirements, and so on. How much, honestly, how much of a say do your clients have in what you shoot? Do they give you, how, do they want <laughs> something very specific, or they give yeah. you a lot of freedom? How does Look, it um, I totally understand the question, um, and an answer to it. Uh, my clients have no creative control mm-hmm. over my images. <laughs> That's something that I've been very strict on from the very start because I think when you're working not so much as a commercial photographer but as an influencer, um, the fact is that my clients want to tap into my audience and in order to do that, they need to allow me to shoot and post the style of images that my audience have always had, that they've always enjoyed in my stream. Um, So over the years, I'm in my fourth year of full-time work now for tourism. Um, Over those years, I have changed a little in that I'm more open to shooting some food photographs, um, you know, shooting some details, shooting, you know, not just landscapes like I used to. um, But the reason for that change was personal. Um, It's because I believe that travel is more than just a landscape. And even though other types of images like a foodie flat lay uh, won't get the engagement as a beautiful sunrise over the lake, (laughs) um, I still think that it reaches the right audience. And there are a lot of people that are motivated by food for traveling or they're motivated by great activities or, you know, those, those little details that make a destination different to where they're from. So that's why I've changed my feed and my, my photography up a little bit. Um, and my clients love it which also helps. (laughs) Um, But no, when I have a client try to ask me to shoot 
you know, a specific style of images or they try and go over how their branding is and the sort of images that they feel best reflects their brand. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always the first to tell them that that's just not how it works when you're working with me and, and being very, very honest and forward with that conversation right from the start so that they're not disappointed midway through the campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's always about honesty and transparency and, and I have a great relationship with my clients and I give them as much as much time as they need leading into a campaign. If they want to talk to me on the phone five times and send emails every second day and ask a million questions, I have the patience for that because I know that it is still a new industry and it is still something that I'm helping to build up. And I've, I've had a huge impression on tourism in Australia working with influencers. So I feel, you know, I feel a responsibility and an ownership of that space. So I, I explained that, no, you can't give me a shot list, but this is the reason why. And I've honestly never had any major problems with clients over that, um, with the exception of, you know, one or two over the years where it's, it's gotten a little heated um, and they don't quite understand. And that's through no fault of my own. It is, it is still a learning curve for a lot of brands, and I understand that. Okay, I wanted to ask you about video. How do you see video? And uh, it, the rising importance of video in social media, and uh, and what people share, and who who do you think will be the first professional Snapchatter? Uh, I think there already is professional Snapchatters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there is actually. Um, I look, Instagram is my niche, and it always has been right from the start. But in the in recent years, um, specifically in the last 12 months, actually, I've started taking a real interest in other social media platforms and mediums um, because I think that Instagram, it's, it's going to change like all things change. So adding value and, and adding reach on other platforms, I think, is, is definitely where influencers want to place themselves. So the guys that I hire, and I hire a lot of people um, to do campaigns with me, I always like to make sure they have at least one other platform of influence. So they would be great on Instagram, but they would also have, say, a huge Facebook following or a blog or, you know, lots of views on Snapchat daily or even Periscope, um, another new one that I'm working with. Um, And I, I think that when you add in those elements with, you know, along with Instagram, it makes the results much more valuable to the client. And my first big experiment with that was actually in Dubai last year. I had uh, nine Australian influencers. Every single one of them was contracted to more than just Instagram. And when I got to the end of the campaign and tallied up all the results and, you know, how many Snapchat views we'd had and how many blog posts came out of it and how much PR and editorial um, from various influencers that have those media connections and, you know, how many Facebook posts and tweets and shares. And it was just staggering. It was an absolutely phenomenal result. And my philosophy towards influence is that people feel more connected to somebody they know on social media, the more they know about that person. So the more open you are and sharing and the more conversational, you know, people over the years feel like they get to know you. And that's when there's a level of trust built that they can look at a post and and see a picture of a destination and reach out to you over email and ask more about it and trust your opinion. So I think that video content helps people to understand more about you, vlogs, Snapchat, Periscope, anything where people get a behind the scenes look at your personality. Um, In saying that, I personally don't 
love to use Snapchat. Um, I, I'm very busy, obviously, and I don't have a huge amount of time for it, but it's just never felt natural to me. I love to use people that use Snapchat, but I don't love to use it myself. Um, similar with Periscope, I've tried it a couple of times, but it's just not really my thing. Um, I think if people want to get to know me better, they can always reach out to me, listen to a podcast, um, see me in any of the documentaries or videos that are on YouTube. Um, there's lots of different ways for them to do that. And whether or not I change my mind down the track, you know, who knows? I'm always open and I never say never. Um, and as for video content, um, it's something that tourism boards are very interested in. Um, and I introduce that into my campaigns occasionally when the budget is there. Um, I've got a couple of videographers that I work with. And again, I think it works really well alongside something like Instagram with a few little side things like Periscope and Facebook. Um, it's all just value adding and it's all just adding to the story of the destination or the brand. So what do you think is going to be the next big thing in social media? Um, Snapchat, I've known for, oh, I reckon about 18 months ago, I had that moment where I knew Snapchat was going to be huge and it is and it's just mm -hmm. growing and especially with all the changes at Instagram lately, people are disillusioned with the platform and, you know, some of them are spending more time on platforms like Snapchat. Um, Periscope, I would love to say Periscope's going to be the next big thing but I'm a little concerned about live video on Facebook. I think that that's still in a little bit of the thunder of Periscope. Um, maybe they'll both do really well and succeed out of it. I hope so. Um, I work with, well, I, I talk to and, and have a lot to do with a guy in Australia that's one of the big periscopers here. So he's an early adopter and he's basically at a stage where he's exactly where I was three or so years ago where he wants to quit his job and be the first, Australia's first periscoper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, so it's really interesting to have conversations with him because I'm, I'm a huge believer in adopting early and, and how much that can help your career. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Apart from those ones, I'm also really liking Stella. Um, but Stella is not, it's not an overnight success. It's just been a slow burn and, and the community team is phenomenal. They put a lot of time into relationships with their users and their community. Um, I talk to them often, probably on a weekly basis. And I've noticed a lot of traction on that platform, but not overnight, just gradually, gradually, you know, slowly over the year and a half I've been using the platform. So, you know, Stella, Periscope, Snapchat, um, and then, of course, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, they're not going anywhere. They're so deeply established now that, that they're the main ones, I think. Yeah. I've been uh, not using, but I've got an invitation and I created an account on Stellar and I've been following it for a while, but it's really interesting. It's really beautiful. seems to me it that is. maybe it requires a bit more work than Instagram or Snapchat you need to, to create. It Yeah. Yes, it requires more work to put the story together. Um, but I think when people are willing to flick through a 20, 30, 40 page story, they're obviously getting a lot more out of yeah, it than just flicking, flicking past a quick Instagram picture. So maybe I'll try to find a 25th hour during the day to dedicate some time <laughs> to Stellar. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would like to talk a bit more about travel specifically and especially what are your travel plans for 2016 where are you going next any amazing destinations that are on your map yes um i'm booked out for the year so all of my travel dates have been filled with clients and personal travel um i've got some really cool stuff this year um 
domestically, so within Australia, um, and I love Australian tourism. And as much as it's glamorous to go overseas, I actually strategically plan my year out so that I have enough time in Australia to work with the tourism boards here. Um, so I've got some cool stuff coming up in Lord Howe Island, which is an absolutely stunning paradise off the coast of New South Wales. Um, I've also got more work coming up in the Kimberley, which is in Western Australia. And again, it's just, it's a really wild and rugged, stunning part of Australia. Um, I've also just come off two back-to-back jobs in the Northern Territory, which is a place that's very close to my heart. Um, And then internationally, I've got work coming up in Switzerland Mm -hmm. and Ireland and Jordan and Dubai and maybe Norway, that's still unconfirmed, um, South Africa. And then I'm doing some personal travel. I'm taking my mum to New York in September and my partner and I are going to Zimbabwe in December, possibly for Christmas. Um, That's where he's from. And then I'll also be doing a little bit of um, work in Germany, filming some online education courses um, in December to release next year. So quite a full calendar. That's quite quite a program. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And uh, I... Speaking of Australia, you know, it's totally unfair, but some people might say that you, you get it easy. I mean, you're, you live in a place where you just have to go out the door and get some amazing landscapes and wildlife and so on. It's, I, I know it's unfair because, well, I, I live in Europe, I live in Italy, and we have our, our own set of beautiful places that are quite close. All the world has its own uh, attraction, so it's, it's unfair, I know. <laughs> I I actually went to Italy last year Uh on a job. I was working with the Zonin family who own the private, Uh, the largest privately owned winery in your country. Um, And I was being paid to get drunk every day drinking Prosecco. (laughs) (laughs) And I found Italy exceptionally easy to photograph. And I don't know whether that was because I was so drunk every day, (laughs) but I, you know, it's such a beautiful place. Um, I think that where, you know, where you're from and where you're doing most of your photography is it's quite you know it it shapes you as a photographer so being in Europe and having more of that urban landscape um you know it's it's definitely going to shape your style uh for me I'm I'm on the Gold Coast so I started with shooting at the beach and we've got so many beautiful beaches on the Gold Coast so that was you know that was hugely a part of how I started um but now I love the mountains you know I love to I love to shoot in Canada, you know, I love the Rocky Mountains and that's so different to anything I've shot before um, living in Australia. So I think that, you know, it, it shapes you where you're from, but there's, you know, there's always room for change as you progress. Yeah, so we've heard where you're going to in 2016. Uh, the other question would be of the places or the countries that you've been to, if you were to go back to one of those tomorrow and people were paying you to to do that where where would you go back um it's a good question but i actually think an even better question is where would i go to where i'm spending my own money mm-hmm. so where has been so great for a job that i'm willing to take my own money to go back um and you know what this is going to sound cheesy but nearly every destination that i go to i leave there saying i have to come back here 
I want to come back here for a holiday. I want to come back and not be working. Um, and I have a partner who doesn't travel with me very often. Um, so I always come back and I'm like, I've just been to California and it's so amazing. I have to take you to California. Um, when I was in Italy, oh my God, like Italy just resonated with me so much. I have to take you to Italy. Mm. We have to go back to Italy. So, you know, it's, it's probably every destination, to be honest. I think that, you know, it's incredible because the work that I do enables me to see so much of a destination. It's like a really compressed, you know, destination to the extreme because I'm, I'm on a trip where I'm trying to see as much and do as much as possible. Um, but it's nice to then go back and explore at your own pace. Um, and have a little bit more time and share it with the people that you love. So, yeah, everywhere. Go on my Instagram mm. feed. <laughs> um, one place that I'm thinking of traveling to, um, I don't have a lot of time this year, but maybe early next year is I'd love to actually go to Uluru. And I've started, um, I've been there five times for work. I love it. I've never taken my partner. And um, I'd love to go out and do maybe a backpacking experience for a few days and then go somewhere super luxury for another few days um, to show him somewhere that I really love that I've discovered through my travels and my career. Okay, great. So I think this is, uh, has been really, really interesting. I would like to, to thank you for being our guest today and uh, no inspiring people maybe mm -hmm. to uh, try to explore more Instagram or other social media and see if they can be as successful as you. Uh, and I know it's a silly question asking you where, where can people go and find more about you online? And of course, the answer is on Instagram. <laughs> so I <you> just <laughs> want to, to, to remember <laughs> what is, uh, what's your profile handle uh, so people can uh, find you easily or any other sites if you have a personal website or any other social media presences that you want to, to point people to. Yep. Um, so the best place is obviously Instagram. Uh, my username is Lauren. E. P. Bath. Um, my middle names are Elizabeth Peary. So when I started Instagram, I did not think that it would be a career and I chose a quite confusing username. Um, but it is Lauren E. P. Bath. L-A-U-R-E-N-E-P-B-A-T-H. Um, otherwise, my website's just laurenbath.com. And there's links to all of my other social media there, as well as other podcasts that I've done, interviews, um, a blog post that I wrote recently about my career. Um, or you could just Google my name. There's, um, there's quite a lot of stuff out on the internet um, that I've done. I do quite a bit of interviews and, and media and stuff like that um, because I think it's so important to share and, and give that information back to the community. Um, so, yeah, yep. should be heaps of stuff out there. Yeah, <laughs> we will put links in the, in the show notes anyway for people who are too lazy to Google. <laughs> <laughs> they do exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do exist. <laughs> they want a, they want just a link to click. All right. So, yeah, thanks again. And uh, all the best for uh, the rest of your day. It's uh, early morning there. So I guess it's going to be a day filled with a lot of activities. Yes, uh, I've got my to-do list sitting right next to me. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Cool. Goodbye and take care. Thank you. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.